by the way, it wasn't like Jeffries didn't know about the beginning of the end of cool, if you will, uh, the end of cool, young and sexy, as he interpreted it. He was as blatant and open with a foghorn, you know, like Chip Wilson's, essentially saying we don't want fat people <laughs> or, or old people or multiracial people. Retail Unwrapped is a weekly podcast hosted by Robin Lewis and Shelley Cohan from The Robin Report. Each episode dives into the latest trends and developments in the retail industry. Join them as they discuss interesting topics and interview industry leaders, keeping you in the loop with everything retail. Hi, everybody, and thanks for joining our weekly podcast. I'm Robin Lewis, founder and CEO of The Robin Report. And along with my podcast partner, Shelley Cohan, uh, we welcome you to our very of-the-moment topic, DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion. Um, and Shelley, to start with, uh, on all three of the letters of that acronym, Chip Wilson <laughs> whistles in the wind. So he was founder of um, Lululemon, by the way. Uh, Michael Jeffries, former CEO of A&F, and Les Wexner, who doesn't need any introduction, um, they both lost their wind. And then, of course, spinoff brand Victoria's Secret heads right into the wind. In fact, they're right in the middle of it now. So what in the heck does that topic mean? Well, it means that uh, Chip Wilson, who, as I mentioned, was the founder and creator of Lululemon, which, by the way, made him an $8 billion man. Wow. Can you believe it? And now, in retirement for 10 years, he is whistling in the wind, meaning he is still spewing forth a, a, a cascade of expressions like exclusivity trumps inclusivity, essentially slamming DEI. You know, in several interviews, he was saying things like, well, you've got to be clear that you, you don't want certain customers coming in. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's just the worst. He was saying this stuff. Um, Anyway, and he has continuously, obviously, received backlash <clears throat> for his disdain for his brainchild's whole diversity and inclusion thing with I don't know, his anti-Asian, sexist, and fat-phobic comments. I mean, it's been going on for a long time. And Shelley, because Lululemon... Because of Lululemon's new new leaders um, are all in supporting DEI, so Wilson is whistling in the wind. But the lesson here is that it's good for Lululemon that he has been retired, and the new leadership following him, of course, is all in with their DEI commitment. Oh boy, Robin. Yeah. I, I see where you're going with this one. 
and certainly <laughs> understand the wind metaphor. Both <laughs> Michael Jeffries, who brilliantly repositioned A&F for Abercrombie and Fitch to be the penultimate cool, young, and sexy super brand. And yeah. of course, Lex Wexner, who created Victoria's Secret, and of course, his brand's expression of sexy, ultimately owning about 30% of the intimate apparel market. But both those brands lost their win, as you put it, Robin, when they <laughs> failed to see this emerging, you know, Gen Z cohort of consumers whose idea of sexy includes all body types, complete diversity and equity to all. Fortunately for ANF, under the new leadership of CEO Fran Horowitz, who for the last six years has really repositioned the brand, she's done a great job. So yep. Abercrombie and Fitch told the BBC its new leadership has changed the company into a quote, values driven organization. We are today with zero tolerance for abuse, harassment, or discrimination of any kind. So the brand has really transformed and really this time focusing on inclusivity. So diversity, size inclusivity, and a more understated, trendier clothing selection. Yep. And on their most recent quarter res results, simply to confirm that the brand is now heading north, so to speak. So let's remind our listeners that ANF is a brand that has been around for over 130 years. Yeah, amazing. And it's unbelievable when you think about it. And we know that when Fran went into that CEO job, it was a mess. It was a disaster, Robin. Yeah, I, I, unbelievable. I, I, and Jeffrey just, <laughs> I mean, he kind of like disappeared. But, you know, Fran had to change the company culture, the product, the marketing. And not only did ANF lose its cool, but it also lost its target market along the way. That's right. So, yeah. So when she took over in February of uh, 2017, it was three short years before the pandemic hit. Right. So the turnaround probably took about two years longer uh, than it would have without the without the COVID pa uh, pandemic. Yeah, I know, Robin. These turnarounds take a long time. And when yeah. we actually looked at those financials for the year 2022, they performed well. But here's what I'm going to tell you, Robin. Turnaround is an understatement when we look what has happened in 2023. The yeah. results are in. So year to date through the third quarter, the revenue is up 13% and the margins have improved from 58% in 2022 to 63% this year. Wow. Yeah. And I, I have to mention the other staggering financial is the profit line, which is 6% of sales, about 170 million compared to last year, actually showing a loss of 36 million. So wow, that wow. is a super turnaround on the financials. And yeah. the company, you know, return on assets through third quarter is nearly 6%. So we compare that to 2022, which was full year at about, you know, 0.7%. Yeah, Shelly, you know, uh, they sure are in a new place. And, and it wasn't, by the way, it wasn't like Jeffries didn't know about the beginning of the end of cool, if you will, uh, the end of cool, young, and sexy, as he interpreted it. 
he was as blatant and open with a foghorn, you know, like Chip Wilson's, essentially saying, we don't want fat people <laughs> or, or old people or multiracial people. I don't know. I guess all they want are metaversers. You know, so, Shelly, one time I was interviewed on CNBC uh, during the Jeffries thing, and um, about they they wanted to talk to me about the nationwide uproar slamming Jeffries, you know, and the brand's values, et cetera. So, what I said to them, which, which was, that while Jeffrey's personal position on the brand uh, to me was reprehensive and obviously to millions of other consumers professionally, Shelley, it was marketing 101 brilliant, you know, focus on a very specific consumer segment, uh, which ANF really nailed and it grew like crazy. Of course. Yeah. Until it didn't. Right. Until it didn't. <laughs> so, Raman, the whole Lululemon DEI issue and Wilson still railing on about not wanting to be all inclusive yeah. is not about cool, young, and sexy. Since his departure from Lululemon, he's been really trying to shake off the idea that it is exclusively Lululemon has been trying to say that they are getting rid of this idea that it's exclusively for upper middle class white women of a certain stature through inclusive marketing by bolstering its diversity and inclusion commitments. And back in 2020, late in the year, they formed a new department called Inclusion, Diversity, Equity, and Action. So they added A onto DEI and they flipped around the acronym. Instead of calling it DEI, they call it IDEA. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> Yeah. The goal being obviously to increase, you know, the diversity of staff and expanding DEI training and development and discourse. However, some of the employees told the business of fashion that it was launched to really pr to protect the company image first and foremost, and that the company often denied black employees job opportunities in favor of, quote unquote, less qualified white counterparts. So you have to really wonder if that IDEA or D-E-I with an A acronym is just kind of like a bumper sticker sticker out there, you know, so to speak. <laughs> and unlike A&F's meltdown, Lululemon seems to have really successfully made a bridge to yeah. DEI in spite of Wilson's continuous barrage against DEI initiatives. Yeah, well, Shelley... <clears throat> The company did come out with a, with a statement in, in Fortune magazine. Uh, they said, quote, Chip Wilson does not speak for Lululemon, <laughs> even though he's still making billions of dollars off of. And his comments do not reflect our company's views or beliefs. You know, Chip has not been involved with the company since his resignation from the board in 2015. And we are a very different company today. So I don't know, Shelley, amen, I guess, because they too, like ANF, had great numbers in their latest quarter, right? Yeah, I mean, the numbers are very strong. But here's the thing with Chip, just before we get into the numbers, 
<laughs> he's the one that founded the company. Yeah. And even though he sold most of his shares, he's always going to be associated with the brand. Yeah. It's it's just too bad the company can't get him to stop commenting about the brand's direction. <laughs> you know, for those of you that missed the quote earlier, it's a throwback to when he was CEO of Lululemon. And you, as you said earlier, Robin, you know, his quote is harsh. Chip said, you've got to be clear. You don't want certain customers coming in. Robin, show me a <laughs> that doesn't want yeah. certain customers coming in. Seriously, defining a target market is one thing, but telling shoppers not to shop? Please, no one can afford this mantra in today's retail environment. <laughs> it's crazy, Shelley. You know, he didn't learn from, from the mistakes of his past. And he said a few more derogatory comments that we could go on for probably another 30 minutes. But, we, you know, we're not going to do that here. So, but anyway, tell us how the company is doing financially. Well, Lululemon revenues surpassed $2 billion just in the third quarter. Wow. With sales up about 19%. The other area that is doing really well is, you know, they have this new market focus on men's. And the men's business yeah. for third quarter was up 15%. So doing very strong. Their fo another one of their focuses is international revenue. That's up 49%. They're opening new stores. I think they're about to hit 700 globally. Wow. Yeah. So projections for annual revenue for 2023 is to hit over $9.5 billion, which would be about an 18% of an increase. And Here's another thing they recently announced, like literally the, like a week ago, Robin, they announced that they're working with Peloton to develop all its digital fitness content, which I think brings in this other very highly engaged customer base to Lululemon. Yeah, I guess so. I'm not sure about Peloton, but anyway, Lululemon has uh, been able to turn things around, yep, actually, but but not so much, by the way, for Victoria's Secret. Well, <laughs> the original did lose its wind big time. As Aerie, AEO, American Eagle Outfitters, popped up as the new hottest brand among young, young women and began to steal enormous chunks of a market share away from Victoria's Secret. And now, uh, VS is struggling to reposition, uh, to create a new image for the brand, you know, as they try to turn it around. Seriously, Robin, I don't even know where to begin on this one. This is yeah. such a long and winding story. It has so many twists and turns and yeah. that they, and these, these twists and turns keep popping up in the news. Um, but let me try to kind of call it down to a few key points about Victoria's Secret. So they own 30% of the market back in 2017. And now it's probably generously at about 18%. So wow, almost in half. Yeah. yeah. And the other uh, interesting kind of tidbit is that the general market for lingerie swim and bridal, that's how it's classified, um, is expected to grow 4% this year. But Victoria's Secret, they're trending in the other direction. Their sales were down 7.2% through Q3 of this year. And it actually showed a bottom line loss of $68 million versus wow. a profit yeah. last year of $166 million. So a complete flip of financials, right? Yeah. And 
Just to put it in perspective, as a reference, ARI year to date through Q3 is up 8.5%. And their sales hitting 1.1 billion through the third quarter year to date. So in 2022, to reflect back on the full year performance of Victoria's Secret, they dropped 6.5%. So, yeah, well, Victoria's, yeah. You know, they, they, uh, the the rebranding, and heavy marketing of body inclusivity was not working for them. I mean, they did go out there with a whole new campaign. It looked like they're going to try to reach, uh, especially women uh, of of note in in various professions, uh, athletics, and so forth and so on. Um, I guess to go from sexy, young, and cool to uh, sophisticated extremely intelligent women i don't know but they but all of that um it it hasn't been working you know as they watch their sales tank yeah so so you know they have to revert to their previous marketing strategy i guess although this time around they are being more inclusive and those marketing campaigns uh yeah by replacing the supermodel angels with yeah, a more diverse group of women, but we'll see, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, they they almost have to do that, right? And I think part of that five-year turnaround strategy was to invest in technology and find brand partners. And they've done both those things. They invested about $400 million to acquire Adore Me. So Adore Me is a lingerie brand that uses AI and machine learning with these sophisticated algorithms to recommend products and sizes to customers. So they bought the company so they could quickly learn how to infuse technology in that company journey. And they just announced this week that they entered into a multi-year partnership with Google Cloud's artificial intelligence and generative, generative AI technologies. And the goal there is to, quote, to create more personalized and inclusive online shopping experience for its global Mm -hmm. customers. So according to the press release, they plan to leverage Google Cloud's AI technologies to improve customer and associate experiences and, of course, drive operational efficiencies within the business. But Robin, it's what you and I have been talking about, using AI and these conversational chatbots to better tailor product recommendations at the pre-purchase, the pre-purchase phase of the shopping journey. Yeah, you know, they can make the product recommendations more personalized. They really can and offer product recommendations uh, based on, you know, consumers' lifestyles. Uh, Victoria's Secret also partnered with Amazon. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, but of course, who has not partnered with Amazon? (laughs) That's another whole podcast. But, uh, and guess what, Shelly? They, rolled out a small store format strategy with less square footage, less inventory, better service, more personalized, localized, more of a human connection, therefore, that, you know, we've been talking about for some time now. Oh, my God. And of course, Robin, that small store strategy really does address this paradox of choice phenomenon. I've been talking about this for so long. But this is this is a real thing for shoppers today. 
So the small store format is a strategy that's working for many and perhaps smaller stores yep. with better AI intelligence will bring back or help to bring back Victoria's Secret from its declining path that it's on right now. Well, we will see. And I'm also surprised that you didn't mention the former CEO of Victoria's Secret. What was her name? Um, Hawk? Yeah, Amy Hawk. I mean, honestly, she was only there for a minute, so really not much to talk about. She resigned after only eight months on the job. Yeah. And that's when Martin Waters, who was the CEO of the Victoria's Secret Company, you know, over everything, he just absorbed her responsibilities. Amy left in March of like last year. Well, you know, I think Martin Waters also was was the original creator of the whole VS image, I think. Wow. So now he's in a different spot there. But um, yeah, but 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 it makes you wonder if that old brand DNA isn't within him. <laughs> Maybe he can't get out of it. But anyway, I, in closing, Shelley, you know, I think we are witnessing <clears throat> a movement, okay? A young Gen Z movement, a cultural movement. And I'll keep impressing with that word movement with a whole new set of values, not just about fashion. Um, they are actually moving our lives in new ways, Shelley, and you can see it all around us. And guess what? DEI is a big part of that. So I think the big lesson here <clears throat> for this podcast, for our audience, and all of retail, actually, um, you better get in lockstep with this movement, as I call it, and adjust accordingly with what they value and what they want. Or guess what? They will delete your brand and likely not come back. Nice wrap up, Robin. And uh, Gen Alpha, of course, will be entering the workforce in a major way in the next few years. Yeah. And they already have a deep influence on consumer spending through their parents. So they are even yep. more committed to these types of initiatives. They are centered around deep-rooted values and are more socially aware, for sure. For our listeners, you can find more of our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Buzzsprout, and of course, therunreport.com. And please follow us on social media, link in with us for the latest thoughts about the industry. Thank you for listening to Retail Unwrapped. We'll be back in one week with another podcast. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or any podcast service. If you have questions, ideas for a podcast, or anything else, please contact us via therobinreport.com.